Hello, hello, and good morning. At least it's morning as I record this. So you know what? I'm just going to go straight to this little dream I had this morning. It's just a snippet. You probably know the type. It's early. Maybe it's right before you were going to get up anyway. Maybe you were just going to the bathroom. I don't know. But they're always weird and short, right? Or maybe the weird part is just me. Anyway, in my dream, I woke up. (laughs) Go figure. There were sounds in the room, inhuman sounds. And then I saw movement. And I tried to scream when I saw some dark, animalistic sort of figure. It's really creepy. But of course, no sound will come out. That happens all the time in my dreams. I don't know about you. And it's a horrible feeling. I keep trying and trying, and it's just, I'm straining. It feels like my throat is closing. I think maybe it's even worse than running in a dream, but you're just running in place. But anyway, I grab my cat because all good cats show up in your dreams, and you have to save them, at least if you're a good person. And I leap out of the bed. I start running through a ransacked, maybe Victorian-type home, and I can hear this thing chasing me, of course, because it's that kind of dream. But then suddenly I have this idea that if I can find a door, I can just let it out. Sure, I'll just convince this angry, creepy beast to go outside. And I actually do find a door. Something goes right. And I throw it open with Kisu, my cat, held firmly to my other side. And I'm standing there doing that whole coaxing thing, you know, cajoling, like, come on, boy, come on, outside, outside, you motherfucker. And then it speaks. What the fuck, right? It's like, I'm not a dog lady. (laughs) Yeah. So... Then I see it's like part man, part bear, maybe a little part dog. I hate to tell it, but it is. And then the next thing I know, it's sitting in like a 19th century type of wheelchair, you know, wooden. And the creature's legs are kind of human, but they seem a little bit uh, deformed. And then we just start chatting or really he's just kind of chatting And I'm feeling sorry for it uh, because it's been abandoned in this house and no one ever comes to visit. And then my cat wriggles free, which freaks me out. And the thing starts petting it, but I feel like it's petting it way too hard. So you're damn right. I grabbed my cat and that's when I woke up. Huh. Yep. um, That's it. There you have it. So yeah. Good morning and welcome to Pinkie Pod. I'm Sherry Reut, known to some as S. Reut, and this is my first podcast. No idea what the hell I'm doing, uh, but since I like to sit around and talk to myself, I thought, well, maybe I'll just record it. Maybe someone else would like to listen to my crazy. I do have a topic today, uh, and if I continue the podcasts, you know, if I can get like two listeners, who knows where they'll end up, uh, what kind of subjects I might cover. But today I think it'll be something occult. I find a lot of things interesting, but I have written paranormal and horror and even a fable. So today's topic seemed like a great place to start. And I've always been kind of fascinated with 
things like mediumship, tarot, uh, things like that. And so today, it's automatic writing. And I did the smart thing to prepare for this. I googled or binged, whatever the case may be. So I think we'll just start out here with people who have already done some very good research on this. And maybe some of you out there are familiar with it. I myself have done this a really long time ago. I've tried a lot of things, uh, but we'll get to that later. So from New World Encyclopedia, and this article is by Anita M. Mull, automatic writing is the process or product of writing without using the conscious mind. Uh, the technique can be practiced while the person is writing in a trance state. Yet some people are awake, alert, and aware of their surroundings. And I'm paraphrasing her here because I don't just want to straight out read this article, okay? That seems like cheating on a term paper. Anyway, automatic writing, as we know it here, was rose to prominence in the spiritualism or New Age movement. Uh, you know, Victorian times, the Victorians, you know, for as prudish as they may have seemed to us, were really into a lot of funky shit, which is kind of why I like them. So it was a method of channeling spirits and was used in seances as well. During the surrealistic movement, automatic writing was one of the games that artists would play to stimulate creativity and produce original works of art. It's also been used as a therapeutic technique in Freudian psychoanalysis, which I did not know that. That's interesting. Now, many skeptics question the source of the writings, obviously, although some think it's clear many writers have produced material that they would not have written using their conscious mind. Mm, I don't know about that. As humankind advances in understanding the conscious and unconscious aspects of the human mind and the nature of the afterlife, automatic writing will better be able to make a positive contribution to, the enhance, to enhancing the world. Sorry for tripping all over this. So this is her opinion, obviously. I, obviously, people have a lot of different opinions on it. I definitely have opinion, but maybe we'll get to that later as well. So automatic writing in spiritualism. As I said, 19th, early 20th centuries, mediums trying to get in touch with the spirit world. It was quicker and more efficient than like asking somebody, can you knock twice or, or so they thought. And such spirit writing, as it's also called, was initially produced through the use of a pencil attached to a planchette. Now, you may have heard of this before, particularly if you are ever into Ouija boards. And it's that heart-shaped thing, <laughs> thing, planchette, that you all sit around and put your fingers on, and it's supposed to move around and point to different letters of the alphabet, right? Well, originally, before the Ouija board, it was just a planchette, usually wood, and it would have wheels on the underneath of it so that it could roll around easily, and a hole 
on the end where the point was that you would stick a pencil or some such, you know, pen, whatever, through it. And it's something that you can do by yourself. Oh, oh, I know, evil Ouija board, you're never supposed to do it yourself, but this was not a Ouija board. And they were like, ha ha, whatever, let's just do it. Now, often, as you might imagine, even with a planchette, this type of writing was difficult to decipher. And it didn't take them long to decide, okay, I'm just going to hold this stupid pen right in my hand. Uh, Since then, people have even used typewriters and computers. And this is where I'm going to say that when it comes to people feeling that they have written works that they never would have otherwise, I can tell you from writing some of my earliest novels that when you are just really in the zone, I could see how it would feel like you were channeling something because you just can't keep up with your fingers, right? And you're just going and going. And it's a great feeling. I don't know that it's a spirit talking to me, although I have always said that I am not the writer so much as the person the scribe writing down the stories of the characters. But, you know, I think I was kind of joking. But then again, maybe not. I digress. So, according to spiritualistic beliefs, the medium channels the spirit, which then allows it to guide the pencil or the planchette, thereby producing message that the spirit wants to communicate to us in the living world. And channeling allowed the spirit to use the medium's body, which is apparently different from possession (laughs) because it's a voluntary action and possession is not. (laughs) So now we'll get to some famous mediums. Uh, In the early 1900s, a St. Louis housewife named Pearl Curran believed she had contact with a spirit named Patience Worth through a Ouija board. Patience apparently began to dictate what would become nearly 5,000 poems, a play, several novels, and many short works. Initially, Kieran, as, I, as it said, used the Ouija. Ouija? 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 How do you say it? Let me know in the comments. To receive Patience's messages, but as time went on, she found the Ouija board cumbersome. You think? I think it would be pretty hard to dictate an entire novel one letter at a time. So then she decided to use automatic writing. She didn't feel the need to go into a trance, though, and channeled patience while she was conscious. Authorities have studied the work of this alleged patience worth And they concluded, apparently, that it is unlikely that Pearl Curran would have been able to recreate the literary style, vocabulary, history, or subject matter present in this writing. And it doesn't go on to say why, but I can't help kind of feeling like, you know, damn, Pearl, why don't you take some credit for what you wrote? You know, it's like, really? (laughs) And one of the best-known automatic writers was apparently H. Smith, even though I think Pearl is pretty impressive there, if that's true. And H. Smith used the pseudonym Catherine Elise Muller, which is interesting. 
a medium born around 1863 in Geneva, Switzerland. Smith never worked as a paid medium, but held numerous seances for friends and admirers. Uh, in addition to claims of past lives as a Hindu princess, because of course you want to be a princess, right? And Marie Antoinette. Smith produced automatic writing in Arabic and what she claimed were the languages of Mars and Uranus. Q giggles. Is that just me? Okay. She then translated this to French. Theodore Flournoy, a professor of psychology at the University of Geneva, studied Smith's mediumistic abilities and determined that the so-called Martian alphabet was simply the subconscious construction of an imaginative woman. You know what, though? I think that's still pretty impressive. You came up with a whole language. Um, you know, kudos. Uh, yeah. And of course, there are other people who claim it truly was extraterrestrial. And she was very popular with surrealists. So I think that's kind of interesting. Um, what do you think so far? Any opinions? Do you just think this is all bullshit or maybe there's something to it? I, you know, I'll tell you. I think that even if it's bullshit and it's not coming from a spirit, I still think there's something kind of amazing about the idea that you could just hold a pen and it could move independent of your conscience, conscious. <laughs> you will note that I kind of trip over words once in a while and I'm just going to leave this raw and not even try to take it out because if I re-record, I'll just do it again anyway, so who cares? So in your, your alert mind, ha-ha, we will just not say that word. I think it's kind of amazing that your muscle twitches or whatever from, an, from deep in your subconscious could still make your fingers twitch like that and maybe even write words. You know, don't you think that's kind of amazing? Maybe you don't. I don't know. But I think it's kind of fascinating that possibly you could be diving deep into your mind somewhere to places you don't even know exist, you know, and, and be careful. Maybe they're creepy and fucked up. Like, dude, what's wrong with you? Yeah, I don't know. I've tried a pendulum before, which is kind of a similar idea where people think it's just an automatic muscle twitches or your subconscious mind. But again, I think that's really fascinating. And if you don't know what a pendulum is, I mean, literally, it's just like something weighted. It could be a stone or you can buy them in, you know, I call them woo-woo shops, but not disrespectfully. I love woo-woo shops, but where you get crystals and, and magic books and all kinds of things. And mostly you're going to get a yes or no question. And I don't really know about the veracity of it. I've had an experience or two where questions that I was asking, they were not things I would know, and I was actually able to verify later. But I also think something else was going on and not just the pendulum. But, you know, that's a, a story for another day. Maybe it'll be another podcast. Hey, there we go. Now, one more interesting thing here. 
automatic writing in therapy used in Freudian psychoanalysis and related to self-knowledge studies, which obviously I, I think that sounds like they're getting much more into your subconscious word choices. Um, Pierre Jeannette, a French psychologist, was one of the first to pioneer the ideas of automatic writing in the field of psychology. In the late 19th century, Janet discussed automatic writing as a form of somnambulism, a condition where part of your personality is disassociated from the rest. And Janet viewed automatic writing, sleepwalking, multiple personalities, and hypnosis all as variants of somnambulism. Now, doesn't that just make you want to like click all the links and follow? Oh, this is why I'm not on the Wikipedia page right now because it's got like 500 links, right? And I don't know about you, but I'll be like, oh, that looks interesting. And then I want to click on it. And six hours later, I forgot where I started because I'm following all of, these other, all of these other links. But now that I've mentioned Wikipedia, I'm going to go there because there was a particular thing I wanted to pick out I'm kind of skipping all over the place here, but I mean, who really just wants to read everything straight out? That's boring, right? So I was trying to find, here we go. This one is really interesting to me, an instance of, I don't actually think it would have been called automatic writing, but I might not be remembering the entire story. But there was a paranormal investigator named Harry Price exposed the supposed automatic writing in the Borley Rectory as actually wall scrawling of a housewife attempting to hide an extramarital affair. And you're like, wow, that sounds like the end of the story. And you would be correct. Now, here's something you would want to click on or Google or Bing. Bing. Borley Rectory, B-O-R-L-E-Y Rectory. It's a really fascinating story. At least I think it is. It's was an inspiration for my book, Grimalkin Manor. Harry Price and some others stayed there, I think it was like a year or more, doing investigations. And one of the claims was from somebody who'd lived there before that spirits were talking to her by writing things on the walls. So it's, it's not exactly automatic writing unless I'm forgetting a section, like I said, where maybe she also did that. But what I remember is that she might try to talk to them and they would answer independent of her, or maybe she'd wake up the next morning and there were words on the wall. And I think even one time something was scratched into a window. So, you know, it might be fake, but it's a, it's a good creepy story <laughs> to read from, read about. So you can totally look that up. Borley Rectory. Uh, look it up. There's, there's websites dedicated to it. The house, some of the old pictures of it when it burnt were actually really cool. It still exists in a, in a particular form today. Part of it is gone. But yeah, you should check it out. And then another anecdote that I thought was particularly funny. There was an apocalyptic cult led by a lapsed Scientologist named Dorothy Martin. Read that sentence again, right? What? An apocalyptic cult led by a lapsed Scientologist named Dorothy Martin. 
She and her followers were waiting for an alien ship to take them to the non-existent planet Clarion and save them from a worldwide flood that was to commence at midnight on December 20th, 1954. When this, of course, did not happen, Martin allegedly got an automatic writing message from God calling the whole thing off. (laughs) That's just, I love that. Yeah, uh, hello there, uh, this is God, and you know, that whole flood thing, and today, you know what, yeah, we're just not gonna do that right now, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a little bit pressed for time, I've got these other commitments, you know, I think I might go level a city or something, actually, I think I'm just gonna take a nap, so, can we just call this off? Okay, cool, thanks, I'll get back to you later, toodles, I mean, what the fuck, right, I, I love that, it doesn't say, anything else about it because it's just wikipedia that i'm that i was looking at but um i'm sure you can google that as well which i probably will later it's like the list of things to google is miles long and then i forget to google do you do that maybe it's just me and my crappy memory oh so many things (laughs) so many things that would be fun to look up and i don't know if you can hear that in the background i'm in my apartment I don't have professional equipment, and I, I think it's HVAC or something. Oh my God. I mean, if anything was ever going to drive me insane to eventually just be like, I swear to God, that is going to do it. So yeah. Okay. I think I need a sip of coffee. Okay, so please pardon that because I can't get it to stop forever and ever. All right, so we need one more anecdote. I wanted to finish with Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who you may have heard of. Sherlock Holmes, anyone? Yes, he too had interest in spiritualism. Of course he did. And automatic writing. And he had a series of spirit messages that began with communications from his dead father, which he described as thus. A week after my father's funeral, I was writing a business letter when something seemed to intervene between my hand and the motor centers of my brain. And the hand wrote at an amazing rate a letter signed with my father's signature and purporting to come from him. I was upset and my right side and arm became cold and numb. For a year after this, letters came frequently and always at unexpected times. I never knew what they contained until I examined them with a magnifying glass. They were microscopic, and they contained a vast amount of matter with which it was impossible for me to be acquainted. Oh, I just love this older language. I just love it. Anyway, most of the automatic writing, however, was transmitted via his wife, Lady Jean Conan Doyle. Now, her writing began in 1921 and initially consisted of messages from personal friends who had died. I hope they're not living. Uh, Hey, dude, are you picking my brain? So in April 1922, Conan Doyle was contacted by his guide, Phineas. And Phineas, oh, and Phineas was not a deceased friend. Hey, dude, you're in my brain but a man who lived in Arabia, 
many centuries previously. Oh, okay. So for a minute there, they were leading to believe like, wow, this guy is alive. I, could you tell I didn't read very far ahead? He's just some guy he never met. Okay. So centuries ago, a man in Arabia named Phineas, and supposedly she was talking to him. And by 1924, however, she stopped with the automatic writing and just spoke in a translate state. I would love to hear that. I don't suppose there's any recordings. This development moved her onto what is technically called channeling. Okay, cool. I got that out of my system. Interestingly, as automatic writing died out, channeling became the most prominent method by which the spirits and aliens, if they're not the same thing, spoke to us mere mortals. And yes, I think we were still kind of in that golden age of spiritualism. There are also, though, many cases of channeling from the 1970s and on. So Conan Doyle produced a book called, here we go, get your pencils, because I don't know about you, but I think I might have to have this book called Phineas Speaks. P-H-E-N-E-A-S, Phineas Speaks. Conan Doyle calls automatic writing inspired writing to take account that the spirits inspire it. He notes in the preface to the book that information was given, quite often prophecies of the future, but that some of it was inaccurate. Conan Doyle was also convinced that his wife wrote information produced not within her from any previous knowledge or awareness. Uh, One example was a spirit mentioned an Italian who played cricket who had just died. And Doyle says the name was difficult to read, but it ended in the letters C-I-N-I, which, forgive me if this is just totally wrong, but that could be like a lot of names, eh? So even Doyle was doubtful about this snippet, and he didn't know any Italians who could play cricket. Oh, no Italians play cricket. I could. Uh, But a few days later, they learned that an Italian called Perificini played cricket for Middlesex, died two days before this communication, and none present at this writing were aware that they knew this. Now, this could be some evidence that... The automatic writing was legit, but other explanations exist, such as maybe she heard someone mention the passing, in passing, har har, that's actually how it's written, the cricketer's passing, in passing, (laughs) but didn't remember because the fact had not registered in her conscious memory. I don't know. Hmm. I mean, yeah, that's possible. That's the problem with things like this. Just when there might be some evidence that it could be real, there's always evidence that it's not real. You know, choose your sides. Me, I prefer not to be too black and white about it. I like to be open to the possibilities, and some people listening might be scoffing like, oh, ha, ha, that's so stupid. That's cool. That's your prerogative. Um, And some people might be wholeheartedly into it. Um... I like to kind of stay somewhere in the middle and think, you know, maybe, because I don't know everything out there, and I don't know what happens when we die. I don't know everything in my subconscious mind, you know? I don't think any of us 
understand 100% how our brains work or anything. I think it's you, Brie, to think that we understand everything. So having gotten that out of my system, if you read through, apparently, Phineas Speaks, most of the spirits that come to Conan Doyle during the sessions write in Christian terms in line with his Christian spiritual beliefs, which, yeah, he's a product of his time, so that would make sense. Uh, but they, for example, they say, the day will soon come when every knee in the world shall bend to Christ. And that hasn't happened yet, so I don't know. So the person writing this article doesn't really think, and I'll, I'll remind myself to name him. I want to give credit where credit is due. Um, but is not too convinced by Phineas. I was going to stop there, but I see I still have some time. So one more famous, because I dig this guy. I've got some of his books. I do also have Sherlock Holmes, for the record. But William Butler Yeats, the famous Irish poet, was also, and this is a reason I find him fascinating, because I have a book about some of this, was a renowned member of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Did you know that? Now, if you know a little bit about Yeats, maybe you did. And he was interested in mythology, gods, spirits, and ghosts his entire life. He married a much younger woman, Georgina Hyde Lees, whom he called George. She was 25, and he was 52. <coughs> hey, well, <coughs> go Bill. And both were members of the Golden Dawn, and she had a reputation for being a psychic, so no wonder he was drawn to her, right? Yeah, sure, that's why. Only days after their wedding, October 1917, at Ashdown Forest Hotel, George, as he insisted on calling her because it gave him more opportunity for rhymes, started producing automatic writing. In the end, there were 4,000 pages of this writing. Now, whereas Conan Doyle's was very Christian in spiritualist tone, Yeats' spirits delivered messages in line with his occult and magical worldviews. Go figure. Now, that definitely seems to suggest this is from your subconscious, I think, right? So... But this author of this article goes on to say about himself, the lack of consistency he doesn't think proves anything. If you were to visit my house, you would see I have a lot of books of ghost stories, whereas if you went to my mother's house, you would see she mainly has detective novels. Some folk read ghost stories and some folk read detective novels. So there may be Christian spirits and there may be hermetic spirits. Because there are both doesn't mean there are neither. Well, yeah. So... Now, in contrast to Doyle's material, the spirit writing from Yeats' A Vision, there you go, another book to look up. Now, I don't think I have that one. Ooh, I got to look that up. It talks about occult systems and refers to Buddhist ideas and Japanese. No drama. Japanese no? Is this correct? I don't know. Yeats' guide or control, if you will, his spirit guide, whatever, is called emeritus. <laughs> this guy says, it seems that contacts have to have highfalutin names. Carl Jung's contact was Philemon. You know, he, he kind of has a point. Like, does anybody out there who's done this or, or is a channel, a medium, anything, do you have a guide that's just like called Joe, you know, or Sue? Let me know in the comments. Just, you know, 
Billy Bob, Peggy Sue, Mortimer, I don't know, just <laughs> Morty, let me know. So apparently the systems expounded by the spirits in Yeats' book, A Vision, are linked to occult systems he sketched out long before the automatic writing. As we'd said, he'd been interested in this his entire life. The spirit writing seems to have just confirmed what he already believed. So, again, you know, it doesn't necessarily prove anything. Uh, but I still, going back to a point I made a while ago, I still think it's really fascinating. The idea that you might tap into something in your subconscious that maybe you're not even aware is, is buried down in there. And I think I would look at it as a form of self-hypnosis. Uh, going back to what I said about, you know, when I was writing like one of my first novels, I had so much built up in my head that it was just, it, it was so exhilarating, you know, just writing and writing thousands of words, you know, and it was, it was awesome. And I would be... I was about to say I would wake up in the middle of the night, but honestly, I have often said I would be woken up at the middle of the night by one of my characters like, you need to get to that computer and write. And I will even go so far as to say, and now we're just probably getting into quirks. I don't know. I don't know if it's related, but this just popped into my head uh, while I was doing this podcast. But I had characters that Myself and they, if you will, felt really comfortable when I used certain utensils like an old pen or old heavy pencil and paper. And then others that were perfectly fine with the computer. I mean, I really did. And I know we can just chalk this up to like, hey, we all have things you know, baseball players have their lucky socks, you know, writers have their favorite journals, whatever. But I really did associate certain things with certain characters. And it does actually make sense that one of the characters is extremely old-fashioned. Actually, he's a vampire. An extremely old-fashioned vampire, though. And it just felt like he really enjoyed the old-fashioned way of writing. On a, on a piece of paper was something elegant because he's elegant. And, you know, I don't know. What the hell is that, right? I'm sure it's just my subconscious. I'm sure it's just being in tune with the character and the story, which is really cool no matter what the reason for it. Um, anybody out there have experiences like that where just certain things so completely resonate and maybe as it pertains here to our subject of channeling or automatic writing. Any writers out there, you know, do you just get in zones like that? And do you have things where you literally feel like this character likes it when I do this, or it just comes easier when I do this or that you use. And then of course there are writers who are like, no, I must always have a specific typewriter. I'm thinking of like Harlan Ellison. Didn't he have like, I don't know. 20 of them, like he, he bought a bunch of his favorite typewriter in case they ever stopped working. I, I believe I'm remembering that correctly. Um, you know, I definitely also just have certain little notebooks that I like 
for specific things. On the other hand, I just like paper, pens, and pencils in general, and I think most writers do. I don't know. But I'm sure there are people out there that only like their laptops for everything. But I'm specifically looking for you guys that like, oh, it's got to be this pencil for this story or this character. Or, hey, I remember when I was writing, you know, da-da-da, that I kept using this one specific thing that I never use for anything else. I mean, anybody out there do that? Poems? Books? Hey, you're an artist. Maybe there are certain... um, ways you prefer to do art. I don't know what I'm trying to say. You probably have felt like you've gone into a trance on something before. I mean, that's the creative spark, right? That's the moment that we're all looking for. And I feel like maybe automatic writing, pardon me, I need a drink. (sighs) Coffee. I feel like automatic writing maybe is like that. Maybe that's what it really is especially as you look over these examples of famous people all claiming to have some experience with automatic writing. And it's completely outside of the realm of paranormal, just in the sense, I say that, um, outside of that realm and what we typically think of it these days as like, oh, ghost hunting, you know, because there's, been tons of ghost hunting shows. I've watched a lot of them. I've kind of started watching them again. And, you know, I feel like this is kind of, was used totally outside the realm of anything like that. Nobody was going to a house and trying to discover the spirits or do a paranormal investigation. They were channeling something creative. And I don't know, maybe that's not what they set out to do. Maybe they didn't. But some of these people definitely were writing stories. Uh, Oh, yeah, because I think I I skipped. Yeah, a lot of this was actually had to do with their own personal beliefs, right? But here we go. I will finish with this one as far as famous people. I think I skipped this. Um, Because some people did this channeling novels like that other woman that supposedly had hundreds of stuff so they do actually call this the brattleboro hoax however but charles dickens when he died in 1870 he left the mystery of edwin drood unfinished and according to itinerant printer tp james this angered dickens spirit so much that he channeled the rest of the novel through james's hand This is supposed to have begun on Christmas Eve, 1872, and continued three times a week, uh, three-time weekly sessions, until it was complete. That's a good one to end on. Tell me what you think about that. I don't think I've read The Mystery of Edwin Drood. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I think that sounds more like maybe this dude just kind of wanted to uh, finish it and then get some credit from it. I don't know. Or maybe he was an uber fan. Oh, he totally stand Dickens so hard. He's like, oh my God, no, we can't leave this unfinished. He totally speaks to me. He loves me. Yeah, that's a good place to stop. And 
with no fanfare and they in the background that's going to make me go wee 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 idiot yeah maybe i will come back from the dead with some automatic writing about the hvac or whatever the fuck it is that drove me insane yeah the end okay so i hope that this was interesting to some people i hope it's understandable cuz as i said before there's no point in me trying to go back, I think, and re-record all of it every time I stumble over a word because I'm just going to keep stumbling over the damn words. It's just how I speak. Get over it. Ha. I don't think I I don't think it was too bad. I think I did pretty well. So that is the first Pinky Pod in the books in the archives. And I thank you to the one person out there who maybe made it this far and listened I do plan to come back for another one maybe maybe the next one should be Borley Rectory or if there's anything in this particular podcast that sparked your interest you know again comment you know let me know um, I can totally whip up uh, a new subject you know uh, that something that you guys would like to hear until then if you want to keep up with my other projects, like my books, photography, and designs, I actually have clothing and, and housewares. And uh, if you see the logo, if you will, for the Pinky Podcast, it's, it's the woman, very simple. I created that. That's my art. I did that in Vector Art. And I do actually have items for sale with her on it. I call her Fatal. So you can go to PinkySwearPress.com. That's PinkySwearPress.com. And you can see what I'm up to. You can also find me on all of the usual social medias, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, as S. Royt, Sherry Royt, PinkySwearPress. You know, you'll find me that way. And I welcome discussion and, you know, hey, give me some feedback. And if you troll me, you know, you just may be trolled back. So don't get too cocky. <laughs> and I hope that this was entertaining. I actually had fun doing it. Um, it's kind of a big deal for me because I've never liked the sound of my own voice. And to record this whole thing and not even shut it off and be like, oh my God, I just totally fucked that up. I'm going to start over. Oh, oh my God, I'm not going to do it at all. I actually made it to the end. And so if you will allow me a moment to be kind of proud of myself, I am because yeah. So in a world of a bazillion podcasts, if even one or two people out there gave this one a go and made it to the end and I'm very grateful. And if you decide to join me again, I am, I love you. I love y'all. <laughs> Thank you so much. One more time, if you want to keep up with me, pinkyswearpress.com. All right, so thanks a lot. And uh, hopefully you'll tune in again and I'll tune in for you. And who knows, maybe I'll do some automatic writing and come up with an entire five-hour podcast. <laughs> okay, bye-bye. Papow.